so now in the studio, we thought we'd just try and draw together this theme of fatherhood and each of us just take very briefly an aspect of fatherhood. Uh, the, the natural father, the spiritual father and God as father. And uh, I'm going to kick off and I'm going to start probably unusually with the natural father. Um, our experiences of our earthly fathers um, are very varied. Uh, some dads do a better job than others, let's be honest. Uh, and there's, there's a whole scale. Uh, at one end of the scale, you've got the brilliant dad. At the other end, sadly, we do have some people have abusive fathers. But for most of us, um, whilst our dads fell short of perfection, they did their best. They did their best. Uh, we all know that nobody's earthly father is absolutely perfect. And for a long time, I understood from various teachings that because of the many imperfections of our earthly fathers, it's best when you look to the nature and um, attribute of our heavenly father to try and disregard our earthly dads. So different are they from God's fatherhood. And for many years, that's something that I felt was must be right. But over the years, I get, you get a bit wiser as you get older. And um, I've turned away from that viewpoint. Um, you know, especially for those of us whose fathers have perhaps passed away or they're no longer hands-on dads, I think it isn't a bad exercise to look back and explore some of our dad's best attributes. What's that good feeling that he gives when you think about your earthly dad? And we've heard of some of them um, from those lovely video clips that we've just heard. Uh, I think we may find something of God in there if we really look for them. And taking my own dad as an example, uh, he was quite frankly far from perfect and he'd be the first to say that. Um, but instead of exploring his imperfections, I ask myself the question, what two positive impressions come to my mind when I think of him? And they come so clearly to me, they are just so obvious to me. The first is security. Uh, my father was that solid presence at the base of my life. Uh, and, and there was that knowledge that when the chips are down, he was always going to be there for me. And the other is safety. I always felt completely and utterly physically safe when I was in his presence. And I'm just going to give you two very brief illustrations of what I mean. Um, first of all, um, the security side of things, the reassurance of a father. Uh, when I was a newlywed and Andy and I lived in Brighton, uh, my parents had a holiday home in Hove and they happened to be there at the time. And there was one night when Andy went off to help his mechanic friend to do a car in, to do a car and make, I don't know what he did with cars, but anyway, he was going to help out his mechanic friend and he left in the evening and he said, I, I, I might be home later, I don't know when I'll be home, but you just go to bed and I'll come back. So I did that and uh, I thought, he, Andy obviously thought I'd sleep right through to the morning, uh, but I didn't and I woke up at 2.30 and there was no sign of Andy. And I just suddenly became absolutely panic-stricken. I thought, he's had an accident, something's happened, you know the feeling. And I just, I said, this is terrible, there's no reason why he won't be home by now, he's just helping with a car. And the first thing I did, I got in my car and I drove 10 minutes to my mum and dad in Hove. And I, three o'clock in the morning, banged on the door and my dear dad answered the door in his pajamas. And uh, he probably swore, I told you he wasn't perfect, he probably said, what the are you doing at this time of night? But he welcomed me in, he gave me a hug, and he explained to me what had probably happened, which was that Andy had got caught up, that it was a longer job than they thought, and he didn't want to wake me up by phoning me, because this was the day before mobile phones. 
course, he was perfectly right. Uh, but the minute I was in his presence and he was there, he reassured me and I felt 100% better about things. So that's, that's the reassurance, the security I got from my earthly dad. And the other was safety, physical safety. And here's just one example. Um, I was walking with him quite late at night through the streets of Soho. Uh, that's because it was near where my father worked, not for any other reason. And um, this uh, rather drunken man staggered towards me, looking as if he had ill intent. I can tell you within seconds that man had been thrown in the gutter. And he was, I told you my dad wasn't perfect. That might not have been the perfect way of dealing with it, but it spoke to me of safety. I was always going to be safe with my father. And uh, so those two illustrations uh, just show those two overwhelming attributes that my father had. And they are key attributes of God the Father as well. The notion of us running to God when things go wrong. Uh, all over the Bible, he's our rock, he's our refuge. We run to a high tower. And in him is safety as well. Psalm 91 says, no harm will come to you. Um, and so I just say learn from our positive lived experience with our earthly dads and catch some of those attributes of God, our Heavenly Father. Thank you. Over to Andy. Okay, thank you. That was really, really good. Um, and uh, You learned how to be a good husband in yeah, the end. I did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got into trouble that night. You did. I want to talk about uh, a spiritual father and this is a gentleman called Les Hill, a man with an overly large heart. Um, when I was a young student at Sussex University, living in Brighton, uh, I'd just given my life to the Lord. And um, most Christian students uh, went and attended the large student churches. For those who know Brighton, Bishop Hannington was an Anglican church, a Holland Road Baptist church, well-known well churches. But um, some of my new Christian friends just took me one evening to a a little church called the Railway Mission, tucked behind the fire station in Preston Circus in Brighton. Congregation was mainly made up of railway workers and their families. It was a, for me, it was a perfect contrast to the intensity of student life on campus. The pastor of this church was a man in his late thirties called Les Hill. Now I was born the youngest of three boys. I was one part of the baby boomer generation. Uh, like other men of his time, my own father uh, had had a really tough time during the Second World War. And all he really wanted to do was settle down to a quiet life. He was always around, but he didn't do much with me and my two older brothers. Um, and I was, to be honest, a bit of a mother's boy. I knew little of real fathering. But Les, uh, this, this guy Les Hill, he was such a big-hearted man. And he, when, when we students started to come along, he, he opened up his home and we'd have a student tea every Sunday afternoon before the evening service. And, uh, and then he would uh, open it wider, he, he would, uh, he'd have people around for lunch and I found myself going around to his house every, every Sunday lunch. So in the end I was spending my whole Sunday uh, at the railway mission, uh, much of it in Les's home. Now Les was an amazing expounder of the word. He could bring anything to life from the Bible, whether it was the Sermon on the Mount or the Song of Solomon. And uh, he would set me Bible studies to do, from which I learned a huge amount. One of my fondest memories of this man, uh, Les, was sitting on a cold winter Sunday afternoon 
in front of a blazing fire and we would just talk together and we just talk about life, we talk about the Bible and uh, in those times he became a father in the Lord. After Diane and I got married a little while later we started to get involved in the renewal of the Holy Spirit and the railway mission wasn't doing that so we left it to join a house church. Yet this man Les was still a man I would want to go to and he was such a gracious man that even though I deserted his church every time I turned up he would still welcome me like a son. Some years later we were here in Basingstoke and uh, we heard the news that Les had died in his mid-50s, early mid-50s and uh, what he died from was an overly large heart physically and uh, I have never grieved so I'd never grieved so much before for a person that I'd lost and to be honest I'd not grieved for someone since even my own persons my own parents in the way that I grieve for Liz Hill. Um, in 1 Corinthians 4 Paul says that though we have many teachers we have very few fathers and Les Hill was a spiritual father to me and much of who I am today was formed during those early days of my walk with Jesus under Les's tender care at the railway mission. Brilliant. Thank you Andy, thank you Diane. So there's two aspects there, natural fathers and spiritual fathers and Andy and Diane have just briefly shared on that and I just want to pick up the whole thing of Father God, you know, God as our Father. And it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it, to try and even imagine God as being our Father. And the Israelites in the Old Testament would have had a, a, a glimmer of that. And Diane, you kind of touched on it. Um, they would have understood God as being the Creator or being the Father of it all. You know, their narrative was God created the heavens and the earth. So when they knew about God as Father, they would have understood him to be the life giver, um, the one with authority and the protector. Again, sort of Diane, you picked up on that. And, you know, and there are a few references to God as Father. The most notable one I wanted to just mention this morning is what Moses said. Um, Moses, who led the children of Israel for 40 years, many, many years, when uh, he was coming close to dying, he put a song together and you can find it in Deuteronomy 32 and there's this line in the song which says um, referring to God you know Yahweh he says is he not your father your creator who made you and formed you so the Israelite nation even though they wouldn't say the name of God they would use that word Yahweh and they wouldn't even kind of pronounce it Moses there uh, was saying is he not the one who created you so they would have an understanding of that is what a father does, he creates. But as we jump into the New Testament, uh, Jesus himself comes along and, and all he ever does is talk about God as father. Um, just think of the Lord's Prayer, you know, how does it start? He's, when, he, when he taught his disciples how to pray, he starts by saying, our father who art in heaven. So all of a sudden, Jesus is not just talking about his father, but he's being inclusive. He's saying, this is our father. And there's another story uh, after Jesus was resurrected and he appears to Mary Magdalene. He says to her, don't, don't touch me um, because I'm, I'm kind of in this sort of interesting state where I'm going to be returning to my father and to your father. And Jesus always talked about God as his father. But you know what? He went one 
one step even closer or beyond just using the word father. He used this word Abba. Now it's not the band Abba, it's, you know, Abba. Uh, and now this, this word here, um, I just need to read this here because uh, I want to get it right. Abba was the defining Aramaic word for father. It implied a relationship and it was deeply personable. And Jesus says um, before he's faced his trial um, and uh, ultimately his crucifixion, in Mark 14, verse 36, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will. So in the most desperate times, when Jesus was preparing for what he was about to go through, he cried out to his dad. And he used that word, Abba, the, the closest relational, that personable word for God. Later on in the New Testament, uh, the, the great apostle Paul describes that relationship with God as Abba. And he says it's by the Holy Spirit that we can know God as Father. I think that's really key for all of us. We might know uh, Jesus as our Saviour, absolutely, but Jesus wants to lead us to the Father and it's by the Holy Spirit that we can have that deep personal relationship, one-to-one -one with God and know him as Abba. Now, if I, I'm being honest, I'm not a person that goes around referring to God as Abba or Papa or Daddy, but there are some people that do and it is, it's deeply personal. <coughs> But here's the great news. You and I can know God in this way. We can come to Jesus. Jesus wants to lead us to the Father. And we can say, Holy Spirit, help me to know God as Abba. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, on this Father's Day, now I'm sure there are going to be mixed emotions around for people. Those who... Uh, as Diane referred to, maybe didn't have good natural fathers. Some who maybe didn't even know who their natural father was. Others who've got great fathers who are alive and well today. Others who've lost their fathers. So we're all very different. We're all coming at this from very different angles. But we thank you this morning for our natural fathers. We thank you for spiritual fathers. And we thank you that you are also known as a father and you want to have that kind of relationship with us thank you that in you you bring together the best bits of natural fathers and spiritual fathers because you god are the perfect father and we honor and worship you and i want to just pray for those watching now or later on in the week that by your holy spirit you would reveal the nature of your fatherhood to each and every one. Amen.